welcome to the audio newsletter for the Northwestern Program in Sound Arts and Industries. I'm Brad West. This past fall, radio producer Sarah Geis taught the art of the podcast for our program. This course guided students through the medium's past, present, and future through listening, critique, and creation. Today we present the first of three final group projects from that class. In this episode, we'll hear an essayistic documentary piece from students Sam Clapp, Dan Tinkler, and Molly Wagner that details their experience reporting on a ham radio fox hunt. John. They're driving down a highway lost in a Chicagoland suburb navigating by radio waves. These guys and six others are on a scavenger hunt, but not the childhood kind. It's a fox hunt, and they're looking for a radio transmitter. These guys go fox hunting every Saturday night, and they have for years. But tonight, we're out in the burbs to ride along with them. To be fair, it's a little weird that we're here. Dan, Sam, and I are grad students at Northwestern. We have to make a radio documentary about something. So Sam tracked down this group in an afternoon of frantic Googling the day before our pitch was due. We don't really know what we're in for, but we hope we'll get some good tape. We're in Wooddale, Illinois. Uh, We're waiting for a bunch of hams to arrive, (laughs) as they call themselves. I feel kind of mean calling them hams. It seems... That's what they call themselves, though? They call themselves hams. The night is cold and clear. Planes roar low overhead on their way to the neighboring O'Hare International Airport. The landscape is all low-slung strip malls, wide roads, and water towers. Right now, we're waiting in a parking lot next to the local high school. Hundreds of Canada geese have set up camp in the baseball field nearby. We wait in the parking lot, and one by one, cars pull up. Each is outfitted with a massive antenna. They're listing slightly in the wind and look like they might be receiving messages from outer space. Is that what that is? Yeah. Wow. It's like a satellite. Picture this. The whole contraption looks like an old outdoor TV antenna. At the base of the antenna, fashioned out of PVC, there's a handle. With this handle, the radio operator can stick their hand out the window, rotate the antenna, and hone in on the signal. When we go portable, this is the antenna I use, if you can grab it. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's Pete. He's a tall guy with dad jeans. Pete's a little self-conscious about his radio receiver. It's a gigantic unit covered in knobs and displays. It would look at home on a shelf or a desk, somewhere stationary. But here it is on the dashboard of his room. here, which corresponds to strength. Okay. And there's a tone that you hear. So if someone transmits, Pete's explaining to Dan the technical aspects of fox hunting. When he points his antenna at a radio transmitter, a little device that looks like a calculator, called a sniffer, makes a high-pitched sound. When he turns it away, the sound drops. 
A sniffer's pitch tells the hunter whether or not the antenna is facing the transmitter. The sniffer then displays a number, telling the hunter how far away they are from the fox. So it's a seven, and you can hear the tone change. With the radio, the sniffer, and the antenna, the hunters are able to figure out their distance from the transmitter. Sniffers, hams, fox hunts, the jargon is thick here. Let's back up. What's a ham? Also known as amateur radio operators, they're usually men, typically close to retirement age, and frequently a bit obsessed. They like messing with electronics. Hams are often engineers, veterans, firefighters, police. For the most part, hams spend their time communicating on special frequencies high above the commercial radio bands. They sit at home, talk politics, rib each other, and generally just hang out. They just like to talk. What did you do today? What did I do today? I'm going here. I'm going. I got to take the wife here. I got to fix my car. I got this problem. I always find something to talk about. Yeah. Just, just talking, making noise. That's Marty. He's a friendly guy in an orange camo jacket. Marty is driving a silver Prius with an elegant antenna. The other hams turn the antennas manually, sticking a hand out the window, no matter the weather. But Marty's rigged up a motorized gear system, so he can turn the contraption at the press of a button. Have you been into ham for a long time? Yeah, yeah, since uh, high school probably, 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Were you like an electronics kid? or? Yeah, yeah, I, I took electronics in high school, and then I went on to electronics in college and got my uh, bachelor's in double E. I'm a, I'm a network uh, engineer by trade. We loiter around the parking lot for a while, meeting the hunters. But as 8 o'clock approaches, tension rises. As soon as the last hunter arrives, everybody rushes to their own vehicles. Budding documentarians Dan and Sam ride in separate cars. Dan's in Pete's van. I'll come with you guys, yeah. Your name again? I'm Dan. 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 Pete. Pete. Correct. Okay. And then John. Got it. Pete and his friend John are hunting together tonight. John's an affable guy with a white beard. He's new to the game. Tonight, he's driving. I got my ham license when I was in high school. At, uh... I was uh, 15 years old, mm-hmm. so. These guys work at Motorola, but they met doing ham. Pete and I have known each other for, well, almost since we were both first hams. We probably met in the late 70s. Sam's in Marty's Prius. This is Bill. Bill is Sam. How you doing, Sam? Hey, Bill. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me along. Bill is Marty's driver. They grew up together on the southwest side of Chicago. Although Bill isn't a ham, it doesn't take long for him to get into the hunt. I'm following separately in my own car, watching as the fox hunt plays out. You're not scared if we break a few laws, are you, tonight? No, that's ideal. Okay. The group declares Marty the master. He gets on the radio with the fox, who's hiding somewhere in the suburbs. The fox will broadcast for one minute, remain silent for four, and then repeat. Just enough broadcast to let the hunters know which direction they need to go, and just enough silence to confuse them. And so the hunt begins. The first transmission starts. Cars circle frantically with their radios crackling with the fox's voice. Don't move. Hey guys, so I'm in the car right now, 
And right now, everyone's just circling around the parking lot with their antennas. So far, I don't think any of the cars have left yet. That's an airplane causing that. One by one, the cars cut loose, heading for the exit of the parking lot. Okay, okay you got released. released. Go over to 83. I hope that my quarter tank of gas will be enough <laughs> to get where, where they're going. Oh, so, oh, they're off. They're, everyone's off. I better put, I better put my seatbelt on. Oh, man, this is quick. Dang, they drive crazy. The moon in Marty's car is calm and collected. In Pete's, not so much. Don't move. To the right. Now inch forward. Go, for, go forward. If you can go left, go left, but I don't think you can. Anyway, I cannot go left. Okay, then follow the hunters speed down Route 83. They're a strange sight a procession of cars with giant antennas. Pete urges John to get on top of an upcoming bridge. The bridge of, uh, uh, if you can manage to do that. And you're trying to get there when they're transmitting. Right, a which is 30 seconds. Being on higher ground makes it easier to pick up a signal. Buildings, viaducts, and low ground can create interference and make it difficult to get a clean reading from the Fox. Another transmission comes over the radio, and everyone realizes that they're getting closer to the Fox. It almost seems too good to be true. So, we have almost a four already. Suspicious they've gone too far, the cars start to slow. We're gonna pass them. Oh, looks like he's pulling to the side of the road. Um, maybe to do a reading, or maybe they're confused. I don't know. Okay, we got a one. So we turn it around. So we already overshot it. We overshot it. Around where? Pete's van slows down and pulls a U-turn. And pretty soon, I'm lost without a signal to follow. The car that I was following made a sharp, very sharp uh, lane change across all three lanes. So I am, um, I am lost. Pete frantically fumbles around with his notes and maps as he tries to catch his bearings. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm looking at the map. I know. Things are tense as we wait for the next transmission. Pretty soon, Marty's car is getting close. Maybe that's the after munch. Marty loops around back and crosses some railroad tracks. Soon, they see a jeep that's backed up to a dumpster. It's the fox! Meanwhile, Pete is still looking for the fox. I'm having problems figuring it out. Ready to hit it out. 
the stop sign just pause, but get there because the time's running out. Pulling into a parking lot to turn back around, Pete notices the signal is overloading his meters. Straight. He's getting stronger. He's going to overload me soon. Straight. He urges John to follow the lot around the back of the building. Yeah. Can't watch the speed bump. I see it. There's a, looks like a, a patriot right there, huh? That's it. Hello, That's Mike. it. That's it. And there, right. hiding behind a large metal shipping container, is the fox, transmitting from his jeep. Sure enough, the after munch is at Portillo's. And for these guys, the munchies are as important as and the of hunt. of course, the most important thing about the hunt is where we go to eat afterwards. We get the <laughs> hunt. It's what, you know, we call it the after munch. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the real important part of this. We pull a few tables together in Portillo's, a 50s throwback that offers Chicago staples, like Chicago dogs with everything on them, Italian beef, and milkshakes. Pete and John are here, Marty and Bill, and the winner, Tom. Mike, the fox unmasked, sits at the head of the table. And then there's us. The adrenaline from the hunt begins to wear off, and full-body exhaustion sets in. I don't know if I could do this every month, much less every week. Conversations start up clearly continued from last Saturday's hunt. Maybe when I retire someday, I can sit in a ham shack and just chew the rags, as they call it, just sit there and chit-chat with other people. Everyone talks wives, old times, fox hunt war stories, general ham chatter. They tell us about ham fests, the Dayton Hamvention, field days, talking to people all around the world. Japan is into ham, apparently. Some of these guys have relationships with people in dozens of countries. Relationships sustained over the years through the staticky connections of amateur radio. It seems like even these conversations might continue after everyone gets home and gets back on their ham. At the end of the night, after our hot dogs were eaten, the fox asked us all to gather around tight for a picture that would later go in the Chicagoland Fox Hunters report. This week, we were in it. Through an assignment, an online encounter, some magic of static and distance, here we are chewing the rags with a bunch of hands. more about our program through our website sound.northwestern.edu or by emailing sound at northwestern.edu you can also find us on facebook and twitter thank you for listening to the audio newsletter of northwestern university's ma program in sound arts and industries today's episode sniffer hunter master fox was reported edited and written by sam clapp dan tinkler and molly wagner with narration by molly wagner Our show also featured original music by Brendan Baker. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Northwestern Sound to learn about how sound works at Northwestern. (laughs) 